Hello and welcome to TM Proverbs episode 6. I'm Sunil and today we have Vara. Um, and for this episode, um, Vara actually sent me something when we were trying to decide what to do for the episode. And it was one of the kind of um, things she's dealt with in the past, one of the kind of worries or kind of stresses of life, I guess, mm-hmm. it, which is um, the pressure that comes from feeling that you have a lot of potential or when people tell you you have mm-hmm. a lot of potential or for whatever reason, it just feels like you want to do big things mm. and this putting a lot of pressure on you. So do you yeah. want to say something about that? Yeah, um, this, is, this has been a pretty huge thing. Um, so personally, so I come from um, a family who are very gifted in general. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like if you know Joab, like, you know, we're pretty much, we follow the same sort of thing. So musically or maybe even just in general. So my dad is a pastor as well and we did a lot of things at church growing up. So, you know, and especially if you can sing, naturally it's just like, well, let's put her on stage as often as possible, like, because she's amazing and all this. And then there were times where I was so inquisitive about the Bible, like, I absolutely loved reading the Bible and understanding it and things like that. So even from a young age, I used to ask a lot of questions. And so from that, the older people kind of thought, wow, okay, she might actually be a preacher or she might be this or she might be that. And so you hear things like that all the time and you think, I need to live up to that. Or, mm. or maybe I am pretty good at certain things and I create my own sort of standard of what I need to reach, reach to. And I think like the problem with that, and it's part of what I wrote when I sent you, is that you know, the, the kind of striving to get to that standard became so much that it it leaves you almost paralyzed because you can see the difference between the standard and where you're really at. Uh, And it's constantly in your face (laughs) that you're missing the mark, Um, which also goes against absolutely everything we believe about how we were saved. Like, Mm. it's not a performance-based thing. All you do is believe in Jesus and and you've been made right. But then it started to turn, that potential started to turn really sour because it wasn't really in the right place. It, it was like I, I put the responsibility to get to the standard on myself. Mm. Uh, and I'm really good at that. <laughs> of taking up way too much responsibility that I am designed to carry, which means that I'm always going to fail because if you try to go up a hill, you know, trying to carry all this stuff, you just won't get there okay. Yeah. So, and, and then also understanding that with Jesus, He's the one who enables me to reach the standard that he wants. But it took me years to get to that, and I'm yeah. still working on yeah. it. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things that I think, think, think was interesting about it is I think it's, as well as being something personal to you, I think it's something in the modern world you see oh, yeah. a lot. And you probably see yeah. it in all ages, but yeah. Yeah. I think being in university, you see this massively oh, because... Yeah. In the past, university was something for a specific t- sort of academic person. Yeah. And now yeah. it's like, oh, everyone Everybody, should do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is fine. But if you're, not, if you're not minded that way, it can be difficult. Exactly. And it can put, pre- it can put pressure on you that mm-hmm. just is difficult to deal with. Mm. Um, and then it makes yeah. whatever it is you're trying to get to as though it's a bad thing. You know? Because yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I wanted to do good. I wanted to serve. I wanted to... And when people are, are reaching for these standards, they're good standards. But then this struggle of trying to get there with your own sort of way of doing it yeah. makes it as though that thing is actually evil when it's really not. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess this one of the ways I was thinking of it is yeah. uh, a quote 
Um, I don't think it's actually C.S. Lewis, but he quotes mm. it in one of his books. Um, and the quote is, whatever you make a god becomes a demon, um, which is just yes. an amazing quote. <laughs> yeah. And yes. it's basically whenever you put something in your life too high, yeah. um, it ends up owning you, essentially. Yeah. And it ends up wreaking havoc because yeah. I, th- I think it's almost like anything that isn't infinite, if you put it into your life in a in an unrestrained way, yeah. it ends up taking up place it shouldn't take because yes. it has a place to put in your yes. life. And yeah. as Christians, we know that the only thing that can that should be unrestrained and that can fill the whole picture yeah. is God. So to put anything else in wow. the highest place or to to have it in a way which is unrestrained, and this could be anything. So. Wow. Even like people who overthink, they think oh, I need to be thinking. But it's like yeah. if you're un- if you're not restraining <laughs> your thinking yeah. and you're not putting it in its right place, it's almost like you're giving it the place of the infinite, yes. which it shouldn't have. Wow, that's um, so good. You know what? It just I, I don't know if I'm going to take this in a direction that it no, shouldn't. No, but fine. <laughs> it made me think of how you know sometimes well in our culture in general it looks like people are really trying hard to destroy as much of you know, fences and boundaries as they possibly can, mm. right? Or bringing down systems yeah. or, you know, and all this stuff. And I can't remember who said this, but I heard a quote saying that if you're going to do, take down a fence, before you do it, find out why it was put there. Yeah. It's so simple. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. so simple. But yeah. as soon as you try to bring... Um, because I think the idea is freedom, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that if you take off the fence, if you take off the boundaries, then you're now free. But that's not actually freedom because yeah. it, it's just creating more problems yeah. for you and it, may, it leaves you more bound. And I always think of an, the example of like when you're exercising, what you're doing, well, I haven't done that yet. I'm going to try. Okay, when people are doing <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, when one exercises. When, yeah, yeah, when one, yeah, that they are... They are creating more freedom from the, for themselves to be able to physically do all the things yeah. they want to do. Yeah. And that's what true freedom is. And the only one who can do that and actually still be okay in terms of destroying or taking away all restraint is God because he's so pure and good. Yeah. And he's not going to, to go past... What, what can I say? His, his nature is so pure that he can be unrestrained and still not go over his own freedom, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, because I think I don't think we're we're capable of that. Yeah. I think as soon as you remove certain restraints, we're capable of making more restraint yeah. in doing that. I, I don't I know if that makes sense. In a way that, like what you were saying, should be kind of obvious because a lot of people say nowadays, "Oh, I just want freedom and I want to yeah. do whatever I want to do." Yeah. But if anyone takes just thinks back through their own history. They should know that there's things that they wanted to do and they did Could, and they regret it. Exactly. And if, if our yeah. own desires always led us to what we wanted, then maybe you could just be like, I want freedom. Yeah. But we know that's not true. Mm, um, because we're not transparent to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Like we think we want certain things, mm. but when we get them, <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And even, even from a kind of technical scientific perspective, this is true because... Um, a lot of people think they know themselves, but 99, I think over 99% of your cognitive processing is unconscious. Oh my so from a technical perspective, you only know a tiny bit of yourself. <laughs> so if you think that, oh, I just want freedom, you don't know what you're letting out. <laughs> like, no, and that's why it's so important what you allow to own you, isn't it? Well, hmm. I know we don't describe it as that thing owning you, right? Because, like, for example, things like, um, I've, I've shared this before, but... 
when I was addicted to painkillers, like I never when, knew that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was addicted to painkillers for a few years, and it was bad, right? And mm. at the time when when it began, it didn't feel like I'm giving power to this thing. Yeah. It was like I was choosing to make myself feel better with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like I was still in control of that. Yeah. But nobody ever knows where, this, where the control gets transferred or when exactly <laughs> it is. Yeah. Like, is it like after the first week and then all of a sudden you desperately need it <laughs> yeah. and it now controls you, <laughs> you know? But I think it's, it's just that it, it already did own me. I just didn't realize it, mm. you know? And, and I think that's actually what I believe the enemy the way he works, the devil works in a way that he gives you the illusion that you're in control, mm, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then and just until you keep giving whatever that thing is more power. Um, but I, I was saying, you know, it, that's why it's important to have God as kind of like the master, because then he's, he, like we said, he's capable, he's the only one capable of being unrestrained. Yeah. Right. But then also he's a good master. Like, <laughs> there's some masses <laughs> yeah. which you just like, yeah. they make you feel good in the moment, but they're brutal yeah. once you can't, once you're not giving them what they want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I guess it's like, people think is, oh, I can have a master or I can't, but it's more like, right. pick your master. Pick your, exactly, <laughs> like, absolutely. There's no such thing as no master. Yeah. And that's something that I was, that I wrote in that thing where um, I was saying that anything that you desire actually becomes becomes your master because you have no control over that desire yeah. and that passion that, yeah. and and then once and, and I think we see it even in relationships that well looking outside looking in right that one person always seems to to be in it more than the other mm. and that as soon as that other person knows that they have more <laughs> you know what I mean they have an advantage over you they can use that mm. and and manipulate how much they can give you based off of your own des yeah. desire almost mm. Um, but with God, it's it's different. I think. Well, we're going to talk about that yeah. <laughs> a bit later. Yeah. I want to go ahead. I, I, I think one of the um, really interesting theories, and I think this. I think we were talking about this before we um, set up. Is there's one of the things that answers a lot of questions for the Christian yeah. that I, we thought it would be good to shed light on because yeah. if people knew about this theory, it just it just makes sense of a lot yeah, from the Christian perspective. Absolutely. And it's called the privation theory of evil, mm. which basically says that evil doesn't have the same sort of existence as mm. good does. It has less of an existence. And what evil is, essentially, is just the good perverted. Yeah. Um, so there's nothing which can't be redeemed or mm. which doesn't have a good way of manifesting itself. Mm. It's just, it's in rebellion to God, yeah. in rebellion yeah. to the good. Yeah. And therefore, we see it as evil. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, if you read John one, it's just such a simple line. Yeah. Um, which for not John simple. is <laughs> simple, but just, not simple. Yeah, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And it's just such a simple thing. It's just saying God created everything uh, through Jesus. Yeah. Um, but the implications are massive because this yeah. means everything in us was made by him so even though we know the flesh is fallen mm. it has a way to be redeemed yeah so yeah, yeah. one of the things you can do is rather rather than just saying okay this is bad you think okay it might have to die i might have to completely give it up 100 yeah. percent. but there's some way jesus can give it back to you yeah. fixed or restored um, absolutely and also and i actually think that 
it it makes perfect sense. <laughs> like you know, because I I would say I was saying to you that I've always had that question where I'm saying, well, everyone says that God is good. There's no evil in him yeah. whatsoever. And yet he created all things. How is this? <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. And yet we know that there is evil. Yeah. Like it, nobody can doubt that. Yeah. You know, you just have to turn the TV on. And so I was like, what is, what's going on here? So actually I only just found out about this theory when we were mm -hmm. talking about it. That it's just, it's just the ability of mankind, yeah. the fallen <laughs> mankind, yeah. to twist everything good yeah. as soon as it's taken out of its proper context. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's a way to not give the enemy too much credit, yeah. the devil too much credit. Yes, absolutely. He, in, in the Christian philosophical framework, he can't create anything and he hasn't created anything. Yeah. In well, a way, there's nothing created. of the devil. Yeah. He just turns things upside down, essentially. Wow. Um, turns yeah. them against their proper yeah. nature or yeah. their proper good that they yes. were made for. And then it makes God actually look even better when he redeems it because, yeah. you know, that's, you know, I, I absolutely love stories where people come out and say, you know, I was doing ABC mm -hmm. and then 10 years down the line, they're walking with Jesus and they're doing almost something similar, but kind of like Paul, right? That he was so zealous about yeah. killing Christians because he believed he was doing <laughs> yeah. God's work yeah. and he did it with all his heart, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then God works on him and now he is dying for the faith and he's going through so much hardship that the same sort of personality that he had to throw all of himself into something mm. and the and the mind that he had i mean he's just incredible mind that god used that i think for me one of the things that you said even earlier today that's really helped me is about knowing that even the little things about you are important yeah. that, that they're they're there for a reason. Maybe you just misunderstood them yeah. and used them the wrong way. Mm. Or maybe other people told you what something that that isn't actually what God what, what God made it to yeah. be, right? And you and you you don't throw anything away and until you you know what I mean? Yeah. Well I, I don't know if, yeah. if it's I, I throwing guess, away. Yeah, maybe yeah. laying it down yeah. until you know what it's for. Yeah, yeah. Because the I guess the danger with what we're saying is that someone can say oh, therefore everything in me is good. Right, so I, exactly. I might not have to let that thing down completely yeah, because yeah. there's a good way of it. And that's not what we're that's saying not. because sometimes <laughs> you have to truly let something yeah, die yeah. and you have to give it up completely because yeah. you can't fix it. You can't find the way to put it no. in. So you just have to let it die and let yeah. God fix it. And actually, when, when something is, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but when, let's say somebody is right in the middle of doing something that they know God made them to do, like, mm. and they're right in it. There's something so beautiful and attractive <laughs> about that, yeah. and, and you can't resist it. It When something, I think it's in Ecclesiastes, isn't it, where it says that everything is beautiful in its purpose. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that thing. Mm. But but I think to get to a place where, you, where you're doing that purpose thing yeah. isn't the same way that how people describe to get to purpose. Mm -hmm. in, I guess in our society, it's, it's almost like, what do you feel? Mm -hmm. What do you feel is good yeah. for you? What do you feel is right? Yeah. And it's so much more <laughs> than just how you feel because we know feelings are fickle. Yeah. So I guess one of the things I was thinking is with this idea of the privation theory of evil, mm. the way it specifically relates to the question at the start, the pressure of potential, yeah. is it basically means that there's something good about the desire to take on big things. 
there has to be something yeah. good about it. And this is what I was thinking about. And the answer I came up with is that in kind of God's kingdom, we're not we're not the leader, we're not the general. We're yeah. only like foot soldiers at yeah. best. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have a low rank. So we're meant to take on small tasks or small orders given by the infinite thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're part of God's plans, which are obviously massive. Yeah. So that desire is to be part of something big, but at the same time to take a small part in it. Yeah. And this way, it yeah. takes off loads of the pressure because it's like, mm. I have a small part to play. But it satisfies that original desire because yeah. you're like, okay, I'm part of something massive yes. that goes beyond yeah. me. And, it's and that's just... good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And also the idea that, you know, even in your small role, mm. you, that your, your small role matters mm. in the grand scheme of things, that without it, that the picture's not complete. Yeah. And I think that's incredible for God, the creator of the universe, to expect and for it to be okay for every person to have a part that's essential. Yeah. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't <laughs> compute that in my brain. Mm. I'm not saying that he can't be amazing on his own, because mm. he is, yeah. but that he would be willing to bring, like, the little foot soldiers to be so <laughs> yeah. essential in yeah. the big plan. But also, I think we like glory, don't we, to be fair? Yeah. Like, that's why the, the sin of pride is so huge, because what you're doing is you want to take the glory for the whole big picture. Yeah, yeah. Even though you can't see the big <laughs> picture. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I guess... One of the problems we can have is we think, oh, as Christians, we should be humble. So that means yeah. less glory. Yeah. But it's like, it's not less glory. It's, it's glory no, to him, yeah. not to us. <laughs> yes. Um, which yeah. is, I think, what true humility is, rather yeah. than just trying to make things yeah. less impressive, and, yeah. less exciting. Absolutely. And also, I think we were doing this at Bible study, actually, on Wednesday. Um, and Sue said something that really blew my mind that in, jo in John 17, uh, Jesus was praying to the Father about himself, saying that, you know, you've glorified me, and now I want to glorify you by doing what you've told me to do. Mm. And that actually giving God glory means doing what he said, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. it's, and, and that was big for me because I was always quite timid and, mm. like you said, scared of that potential yeah. and because I didn't want to fail. Mm -hmm. And that's what I had in my mind, but not realizing that if I don't do what he wants me to do, I've actually not given him <laughs> the glory and yeah. almost put the focus on myself as opposed yeah. to the, the plan. Yeah. Because the plan <laughs> is always greater than the foot soldier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the um, analogy you had earlier was with um, the diamond. Oh, yeah. That was really cool, Jonas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I've been thinking about this picture for a while, the multifaceted diamond. Um, you can Google that. It's got like a lot of faces Although it's not one of the, the, the one at the top is usually bigger, but generally the idea is that every facet of that diamond is reflecting the light mm -hmm. of the diamond and that every, and that when it's put together, it creates a bigger light, mm -hmm. but that each face is important in, in yeah. reflecting that. And that that's what we're like is yeah. when we're reflecting God in some way, every part, every person is a face of that diamond. Yeah. And that if you're not doing your part, there's a gap missing yeah. there, you know, that is actually important. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, I probably missed something yeah. else. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I think it, I think it makes sense, it makes sense in two ways. One, the diamond is, 
is the glory, the complete glory yes. of God is yeah. part of heaven, the church, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the body coming together. Yeah. And um, you become an important part of that yeah. larger body. Yeah. But at the same time, it makes sense of us individually because it means each part of us yes. has a part to play within us because yes. it was created by someone who we know only creates good. Good, yes. So even though we, we deny parts of ourselves, then we have more faith that it will come back because yes. it's part of this greater yeah. thing. And it will come back in its appropriate sort of yeah. context. And that, you know, th that's the irony that you actually have to be individual and uniquely you mm -hmm. in order to be part of this big thing yeah. um, and be one in that. Because I always struggled with that. How do we, as, as the body of Christ, so diverse in so many different nations, cultures, I mean, we're so different mm. and yet somehow we're meant to be one in Christ, <laughs> yeah. right? And actually, I don't think there's any organization in the world that, that can boast about that, being able to bring people together mm. in that way, yeah. in such a deep way, because I think our relationships, even if you look at Hillfield's church, for example, the relationships are, so, are running deep at the moment. Yeah. And you think, how is it possible? Yeah, because everyone's so different. So and, different. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is one of the cool things about church, because yeah. you end up having such quick and immediate and deep relationships yeah. with people you would never talk to otherwise. Yes, yeah. and, and the deeper than maybe even some of your family yeah. relations. <laughs> and something Ravi said actually last week, he said that, you know, the blood of Jesus is is way more real and more powerful than, than any blood relationship that we can have with our own families. And I thought, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. that's a yeah. big statement, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But I actually now thinking about it, is that the blood of our families, while it's so important and it's not an accident, but actually it's for right now mm -hmm. because there are no families in that way in heaven. Yeah. So it's, it's a temporary yeah. sort of setup. Mm -hmm. And ideally, ideally what was meant to have happened is that our natural families are, are also saved <laughs> and in Christ <laughs> and we're all, we also have that bond. Yeah. But realistically, it's not like that. And that's why it makes sense to me when Jesus says, I didn't come to, to bring unity. I came for the father to hate the son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, took, that took me a while. That's yeah. probably another episode in its own, yeah. right? But it's realizing that the unity that comes from reflecting Christ, because that's the thing. This is the same Christ in every single person, yeah. which is yeah. what makes, us, yeah. makes them so deep. Yeah, because if you want the unity that bonds you together, you're going to have to reject anything that goes against that unity. Oh, so yeah, that, that that unity will create disorder among oh. you and anyone who's disobedient. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, it yeah, makes sense. Exactly. And that's why also even in church you have people butting heads mm. because just because we're coming in the name of Jesus together doesn't mean we're all being obedient either. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. I think one of the things as well with that, the family thing, is it can sound quite shocking, like, oh, yeah. you must hate your Very. mother or whoever. Um, and people might think, oh, this is like a barbarous teaching. Yes. Yeah. Like, What's wrong with shocking. this guy? <laughs> but at the same time, if you think of stories that we find inspiring, like, oh, I was in an abusive relationship yeah. and then I had to get out of it, even though I had this attachment. Or, yeah. oh, um, I was um, indoctrinated into this cult. And um, I was tyrannized by what they were telling me, yeah. even though I knew the truth was bigger. People always choose wow. the truth over always. even their family. 
And this is so how the truth operates. it's not a weird thing. Yeah, it's yeah. actually quite obvious. Yeah, yeah in, a way, yeah, in a way it's obvious because we're inspired. When, pe- when people can break a bond that's that deep, like a husband and wife, and then the husband starts abusing them, and that's not very Christ-like. Yeah, so yeah, then yeah. the wife has to break that bond, which yeah, is so yeah, yeah. deep. It's just like, wow, we find it beautiful. Yeah. But then obviously when we hear it, just it's, without thinking about yeah, it in yeah, that yeah. way, it just sounds like, okay, well, mm. this is a bit much. So maybe it is that we, our perspective or our perception of what is good is different for different things, isn't it? Mm. That when you talk about abuse, like immediately we all agree that something's wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But maybe when it comes to, let's say, for example, I don't know, forgiveness, like that, you know, it's, it's easy right now to look at someone who's unforgiving. Maybe they they feel they deserve to not forgive and it, and it feels right, but that's actually still bad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost exactly as the same, the same visceral reaction we have towards abuse is the same way we should look at unforgiveness. Mm. Uh, and that, that, that would make more sense, mm. <laughs> uh, what Jesus said, mm. if, if we looked at sin or, or evil in the same light for yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because I guess when the stakes are so high, when it yeah. is the ethic which we think can unify everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything, every, every sin and every, any perversion of that does have more of a consequence. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. Mm. But yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end. Um, yeah. yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, the last time we did this, um, the cameraman, Joab, got slightly upset and he had a bit of a moment. Yeah. So because of that, uh, we're not going to have a joke this time. But I do want to say one thing, which is thanks for joining us for TM Proverbs. Well, I do have Yay. something that I... What do you, what do you uh, it's that? just short, I promise. Thanks for watching Hebrews when the tea brews. Thank you for watching Ecclesiastes. <laughs> oh, stop it. Guys, thank you for watching Duty Ronan. You got me saying it now. <laughs>